about eight years ago, we were, Meredith and I were living uh, in um, the UK, and that's most probably why we have such a passion and a, a great connection with the UK. And we were living there, we were, we'd planted and re-established a church, and I got invited by Mal Fletcher. How many of you remember Mal Fletcher? Uh, not, not too many these days. Mal Fletcher uh, was the uh, founder of Youth Alive Australia, and now it's gone internationally. He is now based in London uh, and works as, uh, with the BBC as a correspondent, doing some incredible thing, an incredible mind that is bridging the gap between the church and, um, you know, just uh, social media. Just absolutely amazing what he's doing. But he invited me uh, to this conference that he was holding about leaders. And the speaker, the keynote speaker, was a, was a man called Patrick Dixon. Now, Patrick Dixon is a business consultant and he's a futurist. He forecasts different trends that are happening and changing in our world. In 2005, he was ranked as one of the, mo the 20 most influential business thinkers of his time. So he wasn't some sort of just slouch. This guy had an incredible reputation. And really, he, he, the great thing about him is, is he's a Christian. And he has this incredible prophetic insight to see the changing trends in a society. And, you know, when you go to conferences, there's a lot of great things said. But there was this one thing that he said that just captured my attention. And I want to use this to launch today what I believe is what God is saying to us as a, as a church also. But Patrick Dixon said this. He says, the future is about emotion. He said, the new motivation and influence in our decision-making process in the 21st century will be emotion. In other words, that people will make most of their decisions based on how they feel emotionally. They'll be emotionally led rather than led by the truth. Now, how many of you know that is a dangerous thought? The reality is it's the truth. This is what he said. He said, anyone or anything or any company that can touch, stimulate, stir, awaken or push an emotional response will get our allegiance. I was reminded of that just in the last couple of weeks as I was traveling around the UK and just noticing in the churches there of incredible emotionally broken people. And God spoke to me about preaching this message that I want to bring this morning. You know, Patrick also talked about this. He said, companies spend millions of dollars on advertising aimed totally at our emotional responses. It affects what we eat. It affects where we shop. It affects what we buy, what we wear, and what we believe. How true is that? Our decision-making process is so strongly influenced by our emotions. Now, that is so true. How many of you like watching movies? You know, I, I love watching movies, and I love watching movies. The power of a movie is because movies that touch and stir an emotional chord become your favorite movies, particularly if they've got a great music score. Now, years ago, one of my, one of my movies that I got really touched by was a movie called Marley and Me. Now, how many of you have seen the movie Marley and Me? Now, those of you that know me, I am not a dog lover. Animals do not move me. Well, they do move me. They move me to 
get out of their way. I don't know why, but my body seems to attract animals. Every time I go to somebody's place that has a dog or a cat, they just seem to gravitate straight to me. My auntie just bought this new cat. It's a little cat. And, you know, I sat down and, you know, I mean, cats really get me going. I get all sorts of, you know, symptoms, hay fever, everything starts to happen, rashes. And this cat, do you know, I basically told it, don't come near me. And I was like wanting to kick it. But would you believe that this jolly cat, wherever I went, it followed me to the point that it, it jumped on the couch and wanted to sit on my lap. Give me a break. But after watching this movie, I nearly succumbed to the fact of thinking, maybe I should buy a dog. (laughs) Somebody help me. The emotional pull, the emotional connection of that movie shifted my thinking because of the power of emotion. Now, when the movie, and this is one of my, one of my favorite movies is Remember the Titans. How many of you have seen Remember the Titans? And I, I believe it, it's one of my favorite movies is because I watched it while I was in America. And I was in America and I watched this movie called Remember the Titans and what happened is it was a, a movie theater about this big. The movie so captured the emotion of that audience that at the end of the movie, the, the people stood up and gave it a, an incredible applause. And I got caught in the moment. For five minutes, those people just kept applauding and applauding the movie. And what happened, there was such a strong emotional attachment to the movie that I bought the the DVD, and I think I've watched that movie about ten times. I think I know all about it. Why? It's because it captured an emotional connection to my life. What about what we eat? I was in Singapore just coming back. Uh, from the UK and we stopped in Singapore for about three hours and they've got, you know, Singapore's an incredible airport and, um, you know, they've got this sort of, um, you know, Singaporean uh, food sort of area and Pastor Nicholas and myself went there and I didn't know what to order but, you know, I ordered according to how the pictures made me feel. And I was very disappointed because I, I picked this meal that looked fantastic on picture, but when I ate it, it didn't give me the same feeling that the picture did. My wife constantly says to me, she says, we overeat because my eyes are bigger than my stomach. Emotional connections that help us to, you know, sometimes connect. And many times we emotionally eat. They say there's five reasons you should eat. Uh, we, we, we eat because of our emotional need, we eat because of comfort, we eat because of fellowship, uh, we eat because of stress, and we should only eat because we're hungry because our stomach is actually about only the hand, the, the, our, uh, fist, the size of the fist of our hand. Now, how many of you get caught there? How many of you, when you're watching TV, when, how many of you, when you're watching MasterChef, I hate watching MasterChef because all I want to do is go and get something to eat. What about what, what we buy? We are influenced by all the commercials and how many of us and how many times have I bought something totally based on emotion and then found total unfulfillment that's what happens many times you know my I bought a grand my um, grandson a, a gift he loves Thomas the tank engine 
and I saw this Thomas the Tank Engine. They were advertising, and I actually saw it being displayed, and it was this little train running around, and, and it was fantastic, and I thought, this is going to be brilliant. What I didn't work out was the noise that that jolly train makes. And when I brought it to him, you know, we put the thing, put the batteries on, and, you know, my, my son said to me, Dad, why did you do this? This is like a living nightmare. But why I wanted the emotional response. Sometimes we buy things totally out of emotion. But you know what? We also... Many times we believe whatever connects us and touches us to our emotions. And that's part of how we, God created us. But our beliefs, that if our beliefs are based alone on what emotionally connects us, we can make some bad decisions. How many of you know that? Now, you know, at the moment, and I want to be very sensitive about what I'm about to say, but our nation is in... You know, we're voting a plebiscite. And, you know, the shame of it is, is that this decision that is being made about marriage equality has now become more an emotional decision than a decision based on truth. And there are so many people that are angry and hurt and so many things that they're working through that the unfortunate part about it is that because of this emotional upheaval in people's lives that it's like having a discussion has been sabotaged because of the emotional things that are stirring in people's lives. And we can't have a proper discussion about the truth on this decision. It's a reality that we face today. So are emotions evil? Are emotions bad? Does the Bible talk about our emotions? Actually, the Bible, if you read Psalms, the book of Psalms, is actually very much, you know, not just a spiritual journey of a man called David, but also an emotional one. Many times you will see that if you read the book of Psalms, you'll read about his emotional state and how he is trying to connect with God. The great thing is that he aligns his emotions with the Word of God and always comes back to that. But emotions, are they evil? Are they bad? What do we do with emotions? Let me give you some quick thoughts. Number one, emotions are needed and very important for connection and motivation. We need our emotions to connect and also be motivated. Secondly, our emotions are needed to express our personalities. Aren't you glad that God has given you emotions to express your personality or else things would be pretty bland? Emotions are needed to bring color into our world. Emotions are needed to heal. You know, if you don't know how you feel, I'm not talking about physical healing, but emotional healing. If you don't know you're in pain, you don't know the process you need to take to heal. Emotions are needed to understand our feelings. For instance, we, we experience incredible joy when people get married, when people have children, when our footy team wins like they, the Crows did on Friday night, when we experience the joy of God's presence. But our feelings are also needed when we have sorrow, when there's death and there's loss and there's pain. So our emotions are really, really important. God gave us emotions to express all these things that we actually need. Now, here's some facts about our emotions that I just want to bring to your attention. Emotions alone can't be trusted. How many of you know that? Man, if I trusted, put all my 
you know, my energy and my decision-making based on my emotions, I would make some bad decisions. Actually, I have made some bad decisions when I've based my decisions purely based on how I feel. This is the second thing, emotions change. Emotions, you know, don't bring us stability and consistency. I'm Italian. I know all about that. You know, one day I could be up, one day I could be down. Because that's many times our emotional makeup. Emotions can bring addictions. Do you know, emotions are so powerful that when we experience some form of pleasure, we can get addicted to those pleasures. And many people find themselves captives uh, to addictions because of the emotional strength and pull towards something that makes them feel pleasure. So we have to guard our emotions. Emotions can mislead us. They can actually blind us to the truth and reality. So this morning, I just want to talk about three things to help us through the process of working through our emotions because the Bible teaches that we are a triune being. There's three parts of us. We're body, soul, and spirit. And, uh, you know, you're looking at a person... Um, that had to deal with his emotional side. You're looking at a person that was very much led by his emotions. You're looking at a person who many of my decisions in my younger years was made because of my emotions. And so uh, I, I think I can help somebody here today about working through your emotions. At the age of 36, the man that was mentoring me in, in the prophetic ministry and in leadership um, you know, he had a conversation with me that awoken me to the reality that I wasn't just a spiritual being, that I wasn't a person just with the call of God and the purpose of God and gifted by God, but I also had a soul and I also had emotions that had to develop and mature. And the conversation he had with me was not one that I really liked. Um, you know, one day I was pressing him for, uh, for affirmation and I was sort of saying, hey, how do you feel I'm going? You know, he, he was very gracious. I began to travel with him. He had this incredibly strong prophetic ministry. He had this incredibly strong uh, ability to, to move in gifts of uh, word and knowledge and he gave me space to work with him. But one day I was really wanting his affirmation. And uh, I said to him, how do you feel I'm going? He said, yeah, I think you're really going well. You're developing in your gift. I think you're really doing great. And I kept pushing the issue, saying, how do you really think I'm going? Well, he told me how uh, you know, he thought he was going. He said, look, in some areas of your emotional life, I thought he was going to address some of the spiritual things, but he said, in some areas of your emotional life, you act like a 40-year-old. In other areas of your emotional life, now I'm 36, he said, you act like an 18-year-old. And this is what he said. He said, I feel sorry for your wife. I was just glad my wife wasn't here, there to hear that because she would have agreed. But see, my emotional life needed a wake-up call. And at the age of 36, I began to address this area called the soul that the Bible talks about. So here's three things that I've learnt and I pray that will help you because we're all on a journey of maturity. We're all on a journey of growth. Here's three things that I've learnt. Number one, is this, we need to understand that we are a triune being, that we're body, we're soul, and we're spirit. But particularly, I think, in Christian circles, and particularly in Pentecostal circles, sometimes I think we see everything from a spiritual perspective. 
But you know, we also have a soul. You know, the soul consists of your mind, the way you think, and your emotions, the way you feel. If you think wrong and you feel wrong, your will will become subject to the way you respond in those areas. And boy, I had to really get a hold of this. I I had never heard teaching on the soul. I'd never realized that the Bible talks a lot about the soul. In Psalm 23, the Bible says this. It says, He restores my soul. You know, we need to understand that God, many of the emotional hurts, many of the things that we are carrying, many times, even though they are related spiritually because they're connected, they really are out of the realm of the soul. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says this, I would that you would be whole, complete in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. I believe that in Pentecostal circles, sometimes what has happened is we've not actually talked or educated people in this area of the soul, which is so powerful and can actually lead us down paths that we don't quite understand. Jesus, in Matthew 25, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he got his disciples, he actually brought three of them, and he said, my soul is overwhelmed. He was totally overwhelmed. And he took three of his disciples with him and said, would you come and pray? Would you come and stand with me? And we see the vulnerability of Jesus, the Son of God, in human, in human form. We see him coming to a place where he had to fulfill the word of God, the will of God on his life. And this is what we see. We see that he came to this place and asked his disciples to stand with him, but he understood that his emotion, his soul, had to line up with the will of God. That's why he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. One of the great things that has really helped me, and I pray that will help you, is to understand that I am an emotional being, I have a soul, but I also have a spirit. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 5 to 13, this is what it says, that we should be spirit-led people, not emotionally led people. Now, how many of you have challenges in that area? Put your hand up, put it up high, so I can see, so there's a lot of honest people in our church. It's a battle, the battle of the soul. And I thank God that, you know, through the process of time and good mentors and good fathers, they were able to help me in this whole area. In 3 John chapter, in verse 2, this is what it says. I pray that you are enjoying good health and that all is well with you and that your soul is prospering just as your physical body. So there is a place that the Bible talks about that our soul needs to be in a healthy place. And, you know, maybe today you're here and you don't, you know, like I was, I was confused. You know, I really was confused between how my soul worked and how my spirit worked. And it took me ages to just, you know, uh, allow the Word of God and be through education, through mentors to be able to see the difference. And maybe you're on that journey, but I pray that you will take the time to educate yourself or get help to understand how these areas of your life work. So that's the first thing. The second thing that really helped me was to know and understand God's word, God's truth. Do you know in in Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 it says this, my people perish because of the lack of 
knowledge. And how true is that? Sometimes, you know, we make decisions based totally on things that we are not totally aware of. What amazes me is that today we have so much technology, we have so many resources, and, you know, and yet we really don't know God's word. Now, I, I was trained as a prophetic ministry. Um, the way that I was actually trained in ministry was prophetic. It was in that prophetic gift. And I thank God for that. And even when I was in the UK, you know, I, I was able to just see God do some amazing things through that. But, you know, the, the, the danger with being just trained in the prophetic is you sense what God wants to say to people. You begin to uh, pick up through, you know, your spirit. And as you activate your gift through faith, uh, many times it's what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. But what lacked in my life and what made me unbalanced was I did not know God's word. And it wasn't till one of the teachers in our church began to come alongside of me and began, he literally states, you know, it's like I needed a state because I was, I was not really balanced in my gift. And he just began to, to in, a, in a great gracious way, he began to say, listen, you need to get into God's word. You know, the most prophetic thing that you can have, the most prophetic outcome you can have is reading this book this book is so prophetic it is so relevant it was relevant to the day it was written is relevant today and you know what you don't need we don't need people to always speak into our life we need to read the word of God and let that speak into our life and you know we live in a society today that we've lost basic fundamental truths that's why today we're seeing the things and our landscapes so change in our society because we've moved away not just from the word of God but this is left that this this should be the centerpiece of our tables this should be the centerpiece of our tables but with all the technology we have today i find that you know we we live in a society that is illiterate in the word of god and so we make decisions based on how we feel we make decisions and we're governed by how we feel how we're feeling at the time and like i said before we can't trust our emotions Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 this is what it says don't let this book depart from your mouth meditate on it day and night then you will prosper and you will be successful friends let me tell you the shift that happened at the age of 36 was so dramatic in my life that not only did I begin to address some areas of my soul that were broken, I began to acknowledge that there were areas of my life, my emotional life, my mind and my feelings that would bring my will subject to those feelings. As I allowed and as I began to understand that whole realm, God began to heal me. God began, as I began to address those issues, God began to heal my soul. And as that happened, my spirit was able to be freed in a greater dimension because we express ourselves through our soul. You know, we've been made, our body, like I said, our body, soul, and spirit. You know, it's, it's like the tabernacle. If you study the tabernacle in the Old Testament, there were three parts of the tabernacle. There was what we call the outer court, the body. There was the inner court, which is your soul. There was the holy of holies, which is the spirit. Now, do you know, to get, you know, when we worship, we worship in spirit and in truth. And the priest had to go through these courts to get to the Holy of Holies. They had to go through the outer court, the body. 
had to come to the inner court, which was the soul, to get to true connection with God, which is the spirit. Now, here's the amazing thing. True worship happens when God connects us in the spirit. But many of us, because we have got emotional brokenness, it's like we come into that, that inner court and we can't get past that. We can't really connect with God. And today we're seeing a, a, a lot of people that they're having an emotional experience in church, but there's no spiritual transformation. And unless we begin to understand how God created us, we are not able to be free and be whole and complete in the way he purposed us to be. And if we can do that, some amazing things begin to happen. So I just want to, again, encourage you, you know, particularly, you know, at the moment we've got um, three months to go before the end of the year. One of the things that I try to do is I try to journal you know, um, in these next three months, I, I, I try to journal, I try to actually say, say, God, speak to me. I want to prepare my heart. I want to be in the blocks ready to go for the new year. And I believe that, and I just want to encourage you as a church, that in the next three months, why don't you just take some time to journal and do it deliberately and ask God to help to you and to speak to you about what he wants to do in the future, in your future year. So knowing God's word and God's truth has really, really helped me. And I thank God for that pastor, that he just began to say to me, you know, Pastor Nick, you know, you really, he had great respect for me. He said, you know, when you move, when God uses you and the spirit is fantastic, but you know what? You really need to get the word of God into you. And if you get God's word into you, then what will happen is not only will you be freer in your ministry, but God will use you in a more powerful way. And I think that's so, so important. Here's the last thing, very quickly, is God's word helps us to discern what voice to listen to. Do you know your soul has a voice? Your soul will actually speak to you. It is so strong that it will actually try and give you advice. But so does your spirit. And sometimes those, those two voices, uh, the soul sometimes can be in contradiction to the spirit. That's why we have to be spirit-led. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, this is what it says. For the word of God is alive and it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and spirit. Listen to the terminology. And it judges, it has the ability to judge the thoughts and attitudes of the heart and establishes truth. So the Word of God is that powerful that when we apply it to our life, it helps us to distinguish which voice that we're listening to is true. Let me give you this example that has so impacted my life. This passage of Scripture that I'm just about to share with you is one of the foundational things that has helped me to understand the truth and the power of God's Word. Remember, I'm Italian. Uh, my emotions are very alive. My emotions, uh, you know, that they, they're the ones that dictate many times what I used to do. And I had to discipline myself and understand how these two areas of my life work. Do you know, as I began to study the Bible in a greater depth, one day I was reading the story in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16. 
there was a story of Solomon. And Solomon was one of the greatest kings of his time. He was David's son. God appeared to him in a dream and says to Solomon, Solomon, um, you know, I want to grant you whatever you want, whatever you desire, I will grant you. Isn't that fantastic? Wouldn't you love God to, to, you know, ask you that question? I wonder what you would ask for. I know what I would ask for, but I'm not going to tell you. But, you know, here he is, and he appears in the stream, and Solomon says, God, you know, um, give me wisdom to govern your people. And God says to him, because you haven't asked for yourself, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you, you're going to be the wisest man in the world of your time, and I'm also going to bless you. If I can have the keyboard player just come and we'll, we'll bring this to a close. And so what happened? Solomon became this great wise king. There was people coming for his wisdom through the kingdom and even beyond. And, you know, he had this great governmental structure. It looks like, after reading scripture, we see that most probably, you know, once a month or once a week, he would give himself to governance and governing his people. And they used to bring him all the hard decisions, decisions that his other leaders couldn't make they would bring to Solomon. One day they bring him, and I'd love you to read the story, one day they bring to him these two prostitutes. Now if you know the order of the day, if you're a prostitute, well that was an illegal act, but the thing is about the story is that they were fighting over this baby. These two prostitutes were fighting over this baby. Now if you had a baby, you were able to access, uh, you know, sort of some, some um, benefit. And so these two prostitutes come up and they're fighting over this, this baby. And they're both saying, this is my baby, you know, this is my baby. And I could, you could pretty well see the picture. They're most probably pulling on this child. Now, in those days, they couldn't have DNA testings. They couldn't have any other sort of information, you know, uh, who's the father. Let's see who the baby looks like. There was none of that available. And Solomon does this amazing thing. He listens to their story and then... He says to the guard, take your sword and go and cut the baby in half. How many of you have read this story? (laughs) You don't want to read this before lunch, do you know what I mean? Take the sword, go and cut the baby in half and give half to one, one mother and half to the other. Now, when I read this, I thought to myself, how brutal is that? What was wrong with him? Can you imagine, you know, what the guard who had to do this act, because if he didn't, he would have got killed. Could you imagine what he must have been trying to process? And, but off he went. And as soon as he drew his sword and he was going towards the baby, one of the prostitutes yells out, yep, kill the baby. Kill the baby. Yes, go ahead, that's a great idea. Kill the baby, we'll have half each. But the true mother said this, don't touch the baby. Give it, and I could just see a picture of her giving her, so please take my baby, don't harm my baby. It was through that act that Solomon was able to see who the real mother was. Do you know, that story so impacted my life. I use that story so many times when I hear two voices. Now, I don't know if you're like me. Maybe I'm strange. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm Italian. I don't know. But you know what? When I'm about to make a decision... Or I'm about to move into something that I believe God's telling me to move into. You can start. Are you playing or am I going deaf? Can you hear him? Can you hear him? Really? Okay, we've got some problems up here. Okay. That story, 
has become a foundational scripture for my life. There are days that I'm, I'm the reason I, I I'm being this open with you today is because I think it's important that we become vulnerable when we're talking about the, the Word of God in our own lives. Do you know, there's some days my emotions are so up and down, up and down. And the, the voice of my soul is so strong that I'm convinced that the decision I'm about to make is right. But there's another voice, the voice of the Spirit. Now I've had to, the only way I can distinguish which voice is correct is through this. This is a sword. The Bible says that the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And if I apply it to my life, it will give me the right path to go. We live in a society today that has lost the Word of God. We live in a society today that's lost the ability to hear the voice of the Spirit. And the reason that we can hear the voice of the Spirit clearly is when we apply the Word of God into our lives. Do you know, I am amazed at how strong my soul is. I'm amazed. And it's not evil. God wired me. God created me. Please don't walk away from here today thinking, oh, I mustn't you know, listen to my soul. No, God has given you a soul. He's given you emotions. He's given you thoughts. He's given you that area of your life so that you can actually express who you are, who you can connect uh, the way God wants you to connect. But if, if you use that as a standalone to make decisions and to build foundation for your life, we get ourselves in hot water. But the Word of God is so powerful that when I apply it to my situation, whether it be relational issues, whether it be financial issues, whether it be leadership issues, whether it be about vision, when I apply the Word of God and I let my life be led by the Spirit of God through the Word of God, let me tell you, it's like building your house on a rock and when the storms of life come, then your house will continue to stand. Do you know, one of the things that I found difficult on this trip is, and this is going to sound like a proud statement, but I found that in, our, in churches that many times we're creating cultures where we just want to have spiritual experiences, where our souls get touched, but we really don't want to know God's truth that will actually set us free. And there's immaturity sometimes in our churches. And that's why our churches go through cyclic behaviors. That's why our churches, sometimes there's crisis in our churches. And, you know, I'm committed as a pastor. And, you know, we pastor five congregations. I'm committed that we raise up people that are discipled in the things of God, in the Word of God, that are mature in their spirit, that are healthy in their soul. And I believe that if we can do that, we're going to see the kingdom of God advance in a greater, greater way. I just wonder, every eye closed just for a moment, I just wonder if you've had battles, um, you know, in your own life with your whole soul, those areas where sometimes you feel like, you know what, I'm just putting my, the decision-making process I go through just seems to be wrong. 
And if God has spoken to you today, would you just lift your hand? Let me pray for you very, very quickly. Thank you, thank you. That's fantastic that God today would speak to you. Just put your, you can put your hands down. Let me just pray. Holy Spirit, why don't we all just stand? Could we do that? Let's all just stand. Let's put our hands in front of us. Just put your hand in front of you. Now, I, I, I just want to make this comment. I, I felt today that there was, I don't know if this is one person or a few people that, I just feel there's a, there's a person here and that you have, um, there's a soul tie. That means you're connected to someone, not out of truth, but out of emotion. And that this relationship is actually unhealthy for you. And, and what's actually happening is it's taking you down a wrong path. Your emotions are all stirred and connection, connected and you're actually being manipulated by this situation and God would speak to you today and say if you would apply the word of God to that situation to your situation God will actually set you free from the soul tie and establish your path in a right direction so come on just let's just put our hands in front of us just for a moment father I pray that we will be a church that look to your word that your word is the governing factor. Your word is the final say. Your word is what we build our life upon. Your word, Lord, is what guides us. Father, I thank you that says that your word is like a lamp unto our feet. And Father, I pray today, Lord, that all of us, Lord, we've struggled in these areas. I don't think I'm the only one. We've all struggled in the areas sometimes of our soul and our spirit. I pray today that revelation will come, that those that are working through, Lord, areas of their soul that are broken, that you will heal their soul, you will heal their area of their thought patterns and their, their attitudes, Father, and release them. And I pray, Lord, that we will attain, that our ear will be open to your word, that, Father, when we go through storms of life, when we go through different situations, that our hope remains in your word, and that's where our confidence comes from. Father, I thank you for that, and I pray for a new hunger to come into our hearts for your word. Father, I thank you for that, and we bless you for it in Jesus' precious and holy name. Now, come on, just for a moment, just lift your hands towards heaven. Can you do that? Let, you know, some of you, I 